sheet. We're going to sing Psalm 1A, the uh, lyricized for it. Psalm 1A, that man is blessed, and the tune is the tune of I Sing the Mighty Power of God. Hmm. <clears throat> I think we sang this about half a year ago, Oh, 
shines brighter, Jesus shines purer than all the angels' hand can boast. Beautiful Savior, Lord of the nations, Son of God, chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Um, the Lord has called his disciples, but before that began, he had to go through temptations by the devil. And that he did. Strong temptations by the devil. We'll look at that uh, again, and then some lessons, applications, just observing some of the things that happen in Matthew chapter 4. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4 and then come to verse number 1. Matthew 4 verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I thought I read somewhere where Jesus did teach his disciples to pray, lead us not into temptation. And yet here we find the Lord being led to be tempted by the devil as he began uh, just before his uh, public ministry. So what's the difference here? You just got to temptation that be in Matthew chapter 6 and now we find in chapter 4 before that was given as instruction to pray it says that the spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now let's get into that just a second but you see here first of all it was to be tempted of the devil and right away we find that the devil is a real personality, a real character in the Bible. The Bible calls him many names. The adjectives of the, of the Bible of the devil is very severe, very harsh. He's a tempter. He's a liar. He's a murderer. And uh, these are not positive ways of looking at the devil. And if the news media was around in the first century, in Jesus' time, they would say, well, he had a reason to be called these things because he has a right to be upset because he was rejected out of heaven one day and therefore he has a right to be mad and therefore he has a right to be angry and therefore he has a right to destroy people because the Lord destroyed him and his position and took it from him and that was not right that's how some people frame the devil but well you know the devil is a real personality and the Bible says so right here Jesus assumed that he's a real personality uh, the, the point so far is not that he's a real personality or to debate his existence because the Bible obviously accepts the reality of his existence and so, but he did come to tempt the Lord in the wilderness. Um, James does say, the Lord does not tempt us to do evil. The Bible does tell us that temptations 
this isn't this doesn't come from God. Turn to First Corinthians chapter ten. First Corinthians chapter ten. First Corinthians chapter ten. <clears throat> Temptations. There's a reason why I think the devil, uh, God the Father, did let the devil or appoint the devil even to come and tempt his son. 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 13. The reason, I think, is found in verse number 13. Though verse number 13 applies to the Christian and applies to the believer and how he has a way of escape. Let's look at the verse number 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Some things you learn from verse number 13 in regards to the temptation of Jesus Christ. All temptations that come to all kinds of men, it is not anything unusual, not anything different. No one is so unique that only he has a certain kind of temptation. But the Bible does say here, Paul writes under inspiration, there have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Every man is facing the same kind of temptations. Every man has the same kind of problems. Every man, no matter who they are, no matter what generation, they all face the same kinds of temptations. That's what you learn from verse number 13. Then it says, God is faithful. The second statement in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is that besides temptations that come to every man, God is faithful. So we now have almost an answer. Well, not almost an answer. We now have an answer to how to face the temptations. God is faithful. The solution to overcoming temptations, according to the Apostle Paul, is verse number 13, is God. God is faithful, which means he's able to help someone, no matter what the temptations are, overcome the temptations. So, in verse 13 continues, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able? So when temptations come, when temptations come, this one know about temptation, when it comes, it is strong, it is common to everybody, but God is faithful, with God in the equation, it's very possible for a Christian to overcome the temptation, who will not suffer or let you to be tempted above that you're able. So when the temptation comes, the Bible is teaching that when it comes, when it comes, God is with you, and he will not let you buckle or cave in to the temptation. The pressure will not be so strong that you will be that, that you will give in to the temptation and then sin. Look at verse 13 some more. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So from verse number 13, the temptation is from everyone, but God is with you, and you are able to handle the temptation. It is not so heavy that you cannot carry it. It is not so overwhelming that you will drop under its weight. But God will, with the temptation in some way, with the temptation, will make you uh, make a way to escape. Have you ever heard of a trap door? A trap door? All right. A better way to explain it would be, have you ever heard of people like Corey Tenbo who hid Jews in their homes? You have a secret door, a secret entrance down to the basement hidden under a throw rug. And so when the, when the Nazis would come in, they would search the house. They wouldn't find anyone because they were down below. They had a way of escape. They could go down below and escape, and they could hear the footsteps of the Nazis above, but they were safe. <clears throat> uh, in the Old Testament, David had a way of escape. It was called a cave. A cave, when Saul was after him, 
could go to the cave and hide among the many caves in uh, Israel. He would hide from King Saul, who was crazy and after him to kill him. And he had a way of escape. He had a booby trap, not a booby trap, but a, a, a secret door, a secret passageway. Uh, Mike uh, has in his house on the, in the living room, he cut out a little play area for his son, now sons, where you can go under the stairway or under something and you can kind of hide there. It's like a secret place, a hiding place. Well, God is a secret place for us to escape to when we're tempted. And he is the source of um, deliverance from the temptation. So now come back to Matthew chapter 4, verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up uh, of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So I began by telling you, and I will continue to tell you that the devil is a real personality, a real character, not mega, not fictitious, but he's a real enemy of God, and he does bear the blame for him being rejected out of heaven. Now, what are the two chapters you look at and the two books look at to see about the fall of the devil, of Lucifer? Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. And in both passages, you find that he was at fault for him being evicted from heaven because of his pride. And so if anyone would say the devil had a right to be angry at God and therefore he has a right to destroy all Christians, anything Christian, uh, they'd be totally wrong because he was God justly removed him from the presence of himself in heaven because of his pride and arrogance and wanted to take over. And so when Jesus was led up the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, he was tempted. The question is, how come Jesus did teach the disciples to pray and lead us not to temptation, but here, the Spirit of God led him into temptation. How do you harmonize that? <clears throat> Lord, teach us to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And lead us not to temptation. But here, the Lord led him into temptation. How do you explain that <clears throat> and harmonize it? <clears throat> well, well, first of all, remember this. Jesus Christ is our example of character, integrity he is the model our ultimate model and the apostle paul says follow me even as i follow christ therefore when you look at the apostle paul's life and how he behaved and conducted himself you say okay i'm looking at him this is how a christian ought to be we look at jesus christ this is how we're supposed to deal with temptations too as well because he is our example our ultimate example <coughs> If the Apostle Paul did not live up to the Christian name, then you stop following him, you follow Christ. If someone that you respect and admire do not live up to the name of Christian, well, don't be discouraged. You then follow someone who you should follow, Jesus Christ. So I think in Matthew 4, when he was led by the Spirit to be, to be tempted, I think it was for the purpose of saying, you see here is the Son of God on earth. He is how, here is how you overcome temptations by doing what he did. Here's how you overcome the devil's severe attacks on him by doing what he did. So don't look to another man as your example because ultimately a man will fail all of us. Whoever you look up to, they will fail you. Even if you have uh, great respect for, say, a, a, a pastor or an evangelist or someone who you respect as a Christian, you're a Christian, uh, sometimes, sadly, they will maybe fail you. Uh, in the history of Christianity, you have many successful great Christians. You have a few. Oh no. I can't believe that. I don't believe that. 
That must not be true. That cannot be true. In the last few decades, it seems like we've had an abundance of Christian celebrities, Christian uh, pastors or preachers, evangelists of great stature, wrote a lot of books, traveled around, always speaking to great crowds, and all of a sudden you find out, oh no, and you feel very disappointed, don't you? You feel very hurt that someone that you, you bought their books and you saw them online and you read their article and you thought this guy was such a great, solid Christian guy. It all appeared to be so, and then you find out later on that something bad happened. Not long ago, not a, another denomination, not a Baptist one. Uh, you know, all these accusations, unfortunately, they did stick because it is true. Well, we don't follow men for our example. We follow Christ as our example. Then you will not fall when others fall. So I think the reason why he was led to be tempted of the devil in the wilderness was a, a, a purpose was to let you know and let I me know and the reader of the Bible know that our example is Jesus Christ who could not sin as a man because he was the son of God he was sinless and uh, he could not sin so why was he tempted to show that temptations are real the devil is real and to show us that we can overcome the temptations of the world and the flesh and the devil if we just do one thing that he did to overcome and be victorious so as he was victorious our example Jesus Christ is how we would also overcome temptations so as we look down at verse number two, when he had fasted four days and forty nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him and said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now that word if, if, that word if will come up three times. If, uh, if, verse three, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Verse four, but he answered and said, Now you notice that the devil says something, and then the Lord answers, but, but, but is to say, I disagree, but is to say, I contradict what you're saying, but is to say, I, I push back what you're saying, but is a defense, but is a defense, verse 4, but he answered and said, it is written, so you're going to find it is written, said three times, as the devil tempted him three times, the, devil, the Lord replied three times, it is written, look at verse 4, it is written, look at verse number Five, the devil taketh him, tempts him again. Verse number six, the second time it says, verse number six, if thou be the son of God. And then verse seven, the Lord answers, it is written again. It is written again. Verse eight, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him and tempts him again. Verse nine, an offer that no man can resist. All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Verse 10, then said the Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. So three temptations, three points of attack, three harsh, tough temptations, <clears throat> hard to resist. All these things appeal to a normal man. All these things appeal to uh, anyone who wishes to have power and everything else. And uh, the Lord fought back, pushed back by saying, It is written. It is written again. It is written. So I think these things are revealed to us in the Bible so that the reader of the Bible can say, ah, when I face temptation, here's what Jesus did. And here's what I can do. I'll do what he did. So he was attacked head on, full force. And the, the Lord resisted the temptations, not by self-will, not by thinking positively, but by appealing to one thing. So the, the temptations were severe, 
but his defense was scripture. Amen. Scripture was his defense. It is written. It is written again. Now, I want to spend some time on the word again because the devil came to him and hit him. You think about boxing match. In a boxing match, you know, the first round, first few rounds, they're just kind of playing footsie and kind of feeding each other, feeling the reach and all, and how much, they, they, all this kind of stuff. It looks like they're just wasting time. They're not wasting time. By the third or fourth round, they begin to make contact. By the third or fourth round, fifth round, there's a little bit of dropping of the hand, you know, and uh, you ever go in a boxing ring, that thing is bouncy, kind of wears you out. And when your legs wear out, your arms drop down. And so usually by the very unusual exceptions, but when you get to the middle rounds, that's when somebody can get a hit over here. And all the good people go, oh, and it's like, anyway, um, the devil tried to hit Jesus. He came back with a defensive move. It is written. It is written. Here comes another shot. Bing, it is written. Here comes another shot. Bing, it is written. Here comes a fiery dot. It's written. It hit it, but the water, the, the, the leather that is soaked, perhaps, it, it douses any kind of arrow that's got a little flame to the end of it. Anyway, the, I think of it as flying off. There's a guy on YouTube, he's a Spanish guy, he's real funny. He goes up to the desert somewhere in California, he and his Spanish-speaking friend, they go out and shoot things, shoot all kind of guns and things at different things. Watermelon, steel plates, uh, vests, and they, they want to just see the effects of what the, the round has, and they use different guns and different kind of, and it's like fun. They put a grenade into this uh, little car, blow it up, and see what happens. Well, what's going to happen? Put a grenade in the car. It's going to blow up and destroy the car. But they have so much fun. They're, they're adult boys. <laughs> they're adult boys just blowing up things. They're having so much fun. Fire in the hole. And uh, there's another character. He gets a, a tank. He bought an army tank from the Army-Navy store. <laughs> Point that turn. Uh, 55 millimeter, whatever it is, 80 millimeter, and he shoots at this car. Of course, no one's in the car except, you know, and boom, the thing blows out and they slow, show, slow motion. It's so much fun. It's like boys again, you know, these 55 year old men acting like boys having so much fun. And uh, so the devil comes back with this shot, this round, this weapon. He charges with another weapon. He has fiery darts. He has all these wiles and all these different things. And the, the Lord just says, It is written. It is written. It is written. You know, um, he just defended himself. He pushed back. He didn't just say this, oh, what am I going to do? The devil's attacking me. Oh, no. Oh. No, he says, I'm not going to trust myself. I'm going to trust the Bible to defend myself. And so you find here, the devil was persistent in his attack on Jesus Christ. Again and again and again. The Lord also was persistent. It is written again. So, Here's the lesson, and here's the takeaway that I got from reading this again. <coughs> I just covered some of these things about, oh, in, no, in November. Then we took a break because of Christmas things. But uh, some of these things I just saw again when I started reading again in the new year. And he defended himself again as the devil attacked him again. He defended himself again with the same defense. Now, here's what you want to know. The devil is the same. He doesn't change who he is. What he is is what he is. Sometimes people say it is what it is, which is kind of a, oh, wow, kind of redundant, it is what it is. The devil is who he always is since he fell. His nature has not changed. His motives have not changed. His operation has not changed. His tactic has not changed. 
The Bible has nailed it down where this is what he does. And then the solution to resisting the temptation is the same thing as Jesus did. It is written. Same thing. Now, you can try to read a lot of books and try to find the solution to how to defend yourself against the devil. I'll just tell you, you already have the solution given to you right here in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. And so this defense that he gave was successful because it says about his temptations in verse number 11. Then, then what? After the devil was rebuked by the Lord, it is written, it is written again, it is written, then the devil leaveth him. Well, that tells me this, that the armor that Jesus had to defend himself against the, the fiery darts of the devil, let's modernize this, <clears throat> against the <coughs> missiles, against the, the gatling guns of the devil, make it modern, he had armor, he had protection. Now, I would not like to be in a tank in World War II against the Germans, because the Germans have the Panther tank, and they have the German Tiger tank. The German Tiger tank had a cannon that was 88 millimeters. That's huge. And it was slow, it was big, and that cannon that it had was devastating. The Americans have the Pershing tank. Uh, in World War I, they had the, um, the smaller smaller tank with a 20 millimeter cannon, kind of, kind of petite, a feminine tank. And then evolution of warfare is offense and then defense and they counter everything. But uh, the German the German tank, target tank, also had armor to protect the treads. So here's what it looked like. This may appeal to the boys. This may not make any sense to the girls. This one is a reject. This one is where, okay, here's the tiger tank. Looks like this. Reject. It's a tiger tank. <laughs> this is incredible. I thought threw them all away. Ah, okay, here's a tiger tank. Looks like this. This is the body, of, uh, this is the treads that come down like that. But it had protection right here. So these are the sprockets and the wheels and all that. And this was protection for the tank. And here's the turret right here, the gun, the flash suppressors and all that. Big tiger tank. What's this? Nazi sign? Or uh, Democrat or something. Anyway, the um, it had armor. Eventually, the Allies had to figure out a way to destroy the tank by armor-piercing rounds. It'd go right through and blow up on the inside. I would hate to be in a tank in warfare. But the Lord did not have armor that the devil could pierce, even though he had fiery darts because his defense was impregnable. It was, it was invincible. So here's the lesson you learn by reading this old story. The devil always comes again and again and again. He always comes. He comes one time, you don't give in, he backs off, comes back again. Tempts you, shoots at you, harasses you, tries to get you to cave into temptation, it is written. He backs off. He, does, he doesn't stop. He comes back again. So if you look at this as a timeline, today he comes at you in the morning. 
and you say it is written, he backs away. The day goes on. By mid-afternoon, he comes at you again. He tempts you again. And then he gets uh, rebutted because you quote a scripture to him. He backs off. And then on the way to, on the way home, he comes at you again. These, I can't believe this traffic. What is going on? And these people, the so, these guys are on the phone. Oh, man. Oh, and you look, I'm leaving home an hour and a half. Oh, man. And you lose your temper. You blow it. You know what the devil has tried to do? He tried to come at you again. And you find yourself as as agitated, as violent as the next time. You find yourself leaning on your horn. You find yourself roaming and screaming at people. But that's not your personality. But it's come out. What's been going on here? So he comes to you again and again and again. What is your defense? You came at me again? Then again I put up my defense. Now the answer to resisting temptation, James Peter says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, how do you resist him? By having, by having a very strong will? I won't give in, 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 you're stupid because that is not how you resist the devil I won't, I won't, I won't no, you resist the devil the way the Lord resisted the devil it is written now the lesson to learn is the devil always comes at you the lesson to learn is you always do the same thing that Jesus did our example, how to resist the devil it is written it is written, it is written he keeps coming at you. <coughs> you ever see these MMA fights? I hope you don't. It's brutal. You get this guy down over here, and this guy's just beating on him. The guy's already down late, and he's beating at him. And the referee takes you typing over there like this, you know, from across there. And this guy's getting pummeled like he's being a, he's cabbage in a chopper. He's getting beat up, you know, and he finally separates them. It's a brutal sport. It reminds me of the devil. The devil's brutal too. He just comes at you, he hits you, beats you, and you, you're beginning to swell, you're black and blue, blood's all over the place, hits your nose, your eyes, you're bleeding, and he don't care. He just keep, and the, the fans are cheering. Yeah, where'd they go? Where'd they go? You know, people are really strange. They like to see blood. They like to see blood. You know what the devil likes to see? He likes to see blood. He likes to see you and me get beat up. You know what he tried to do to Jesus Christ? He tried to beat him up. The Lord says, no. The devil says, ouch. Ouch. I saw a guy swing a, swing a, a maybe a, a nine-pound hammer to hit something like this, Stan. That guy's dumb. He goes like this. And he goes, he, <laughs> this is the thing, by three inches, hits his knee over here. <laughs> oh, it was so sore. I could feel it. Oh, I got goosebumps. He missed that thing. Oh. The devil tried to beat up the Lord emotionally, spiritually, physically. The Lord fought him back. By the Bible. That's how you win against the devil. Now, Jesus talked to the devil. Watch carefully. Jesus talked to the devil. The devil talked to him. Because both persons are real, spiritual beings. Jesus was, of course, in the flesh. He talked to the devil. You know what some people do? Well, the Bible says Jesus said to him, the devil said to him, and Jesus said back to him, so for you to defeat the devil, you talk to the devil. You don't talk to the devil. 
The Bible does not say you talk back to the devil. He says something to you. He may, he may talk to you or influence you, but usually you don't hear his voice. You don't hear an audible voice. And then you say, oh, that's the devil. Not, not going to happen like that. Usually it's through other means that he tries to harass you and torment you, okay? But you don't talk back to him when you feel like it's the devil oppressing you or talk. You don't do that. Jesus talked to him because this is a this is something that did happen. It's recorded in the scripture. It's for, there for us to learn from and to learn the real truth of the whole issue is use the word of God to defeat the devil. So quote scripture. No, you quote scripture. The Bible does not say talk to the devil. The, the, the Bible says flee. Flee youthful love. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. The Bible says that. Okay? It doesn't say talk to him and debate with him like you're having a political debate. No, you don't go back and forth with him. You just say, Jesus resisted the devil by quoting scripture, and I'm going to quote scripture too. I'm going to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I will resist the devil and he will flee from me. And you can, you can just say, Lord, protect me, strengthen me against this oppression or against this, this feeling or against this... Uh, um, you know, and oh, by the way, I, I just uh, on my phone I have a text message from church member in this church. A text message, uh, Timothy, grab my phone right now, please. Quick, let me see how fast you can move quickly. Thank you. I want to read this text to you. I won't tell you the person who did it, but I just want you to know this. Uh, this is something to do with what I'm trying to teach you tonight. <clears throat> okay, how we use this phone? Okay. Okay, here we go. Coming down here, let's scroll down. <clears throat> I'm talking about the devil talked to Jesus. Jesus talked back to him. And you fight back against the devil, but you don't talk back to him as if you're in a debate kind of thing. Here's what somebody said to me. <clears throat> this was 2.23 p.m. No, 3.45 p.m. on a particular day last week. <clears throat> Here's what somebody said. Pastor, you are under spiritual attack. I started praying harder than usual for you last night. Don't need to know who that was. But that was someone who sensed that. And that person resorted to spiritual warfare, spiritual combat by, by scripture. And that's how you defeat the devil. By scripture. You need to know what the Bible says about certain things. Now... <clears throat> You cannot be lazy about the Bible. You cannot be too general about things. You need to know some verses memorized. Um, it's hard work to memorize Bible verses, but it is worth it. You need to you need to meditate on the Bible and and digest it and even memorize the reference. Even memorize the reference. Even memorize word for word as much as possible. You say, "Well, that's so hard. I can't do it." If you're getting paid for it, you do it. What if somebody said, I'll pay you $10 for every word of the Bible you memorize? I would do it. If someone said, memorize 1 Peter 5, 7, you know what that says? Take a look. Take a look. First Peter 5, Okay, 1 Peter 5, 7. Look at the verse. 
Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Would you memorize each word for ten dollars a piece? I'll bet you would. Look at verse number eight. Look at verse number eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, notice it says, not your adversary, but your friend. No, not your friend. Be sober, be vigilant, because your friend, the devil, as a gentle lamb, wants to cuddle up to you and make you feel comfortable. <laughs> verse nine, whom resists steadfast in the faith, now, if you are told to memorize verse 7, 8, and 9, and you can pay $10 per word. Now, someone quickly remember, tell me how many words are involved in verse number 7, 8, 9, and 9. 7, 8, 9. Someone quickly tell me how many words are there. Just the number of words. <clears throat> that many? That many? Fifty-three words. Fifty-three times ten dollars is what? What? Would you memorize these three verses for five hundred thirty dollars? If you don't, something is really not right in your head. That is easy money. Now, I'm just simply trying to tell you that you need to know the Bible. You need to be able to quote the Bible to yourself for your own encouragement. But also, that's the reason... Now, the devil was defeated because Jesus quoted scripture to him. There's nothing magic about this, but it's just a matter of truth that in spiritual warfare, that's how you are going to be victorious and overcomers by being in the word of God. And so that's what Jesus did. So I think we find a real strong lesson in this temptation of Jesus. Number one, the devil always comes to you. It's a real person. Jesus, of course, uh, refuted him, defeated him by quoting to him scripture. And that was his strength. Then the devil left him. That's how he resisted. That's how he um, uh, did that. Jesus was sober-minded. He wasn't filled with frivolous things in his head, silliness in his head. He was sober-minded. He was alert. He was, he was on top of things. He was sharp. He was in the Word of God. And that's what we need to be too if we are to overcome the temptations of the devil or of the work and of the flesh. And so those are some of the things I have come up with in just my Bible reading in Matthew. Next Wednesday is going to be somewhere else in Matthew. As I trudge through Matthew, you're going to get some, some readings from the book of Matthew. And so there's no new secret. Go back to the old secret. Go back to the old um, escape hatch to resist the devil. Don't look for something new. Don't look for some easy way out. It's just going to be that way. It is written again. It is written. It is written. That's how you do it. <clears throat> if God ever protected you from a shot, if you're a police officer in the military, if that thing stopped the bullet, it may have hurt you, it may have knocked you from the force, but if that protected you, you would tell everybody that you know after it's over, I would have been killed except for my armor. The armor protected me. You're out of here where I got hit. But thank God I had body armor on. It stopped it. I was in the Humvee with the right kind of armor plate on the bottom of the Humvee in Iraq. And when that IED went off, because we had the right kind of equipment, right kind of uh, protection on the armor, the upgraded one, we're alive to tell you about that today. So that's what you do. This is your armor against the wiles of the devil. Now, last thing, flee from him. Now, 
people get into trouble with temptation because they invite temptation. Though temptation comes to every man, some people look for trouble. They put themselves in a place of temptation and that's when they get into trouble. They're very careless. They're very careless. I don't have a problem with smoking, but if I did, if I did, I'd be a fool to be around people who smoke. I don't have a problem with drinking, but if I did, I'd be a fool to go around people who drink. And I'd, go, I'd be a fool to go around at restaurants and sit by the bar instead of sitting away from it as far as I could. I'd be a fool because I'd be tempted. I'm putting myself open for temptation. I'm telling myself, temptation, here I am, tease me, wicked me, come, tell me to come. I can handle it. That's, that's Paul talking about, you know, um, don't trust in your flesh. But that's being foolish. Some people are tempted because they put themselves right in the middle of the road for the car to hit them, the car called temptation. They just, why do you do that? Why do you put yourself in a position to be tempted just to prove that, just to taste up, no, I can handle it. Well, I'm, I'm trying to refine it so that uh, you understand um, this is a deliberate placing yourself in the ring, the bull's ring. Oh boy. When I see, when I used to see, um, not Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson, the guy who bites up people's ears, Evander Holyfield. <sighs> ears of the cauliflower ear? This one has no ear because the guy bit him off just about. Savage. Well, I watch that, I laugh. I look at football game highlights, I laugh. You know why? I see people get hurt, I laugh. You know why I laugh? I say, wow, what a, what a big hit. Oh, man, he creamed him. Well, Junior said, oh, he really hit that guy. Oh, I hurt. Oh, I hurt. Why do I laugh? Because I won't get hurt. Because I'm not there playing. I'm not going to get hurt. Concussion, spearing, helmet to helmet. Head goes back, falls on the ground, quarterback gets sacked by a 300-pound lineman. I say, well, that's how it's supposed to happen. This is part of the game. But I laugh because I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not on the field playing. Some people, when it comes to the temptation part, they put themselves right there where they're going to get tempted, where they're going to get hurt. That's foolish. It's not smart to go somewhere and do something and be with people that you know you're going to be in an era of temptation. It's not smart to do that. Right. A lot of people don't intend to sin. But they just go with people who are going in that direction and little by little they get braver and braver and pretty soon they fall into sin but you don't just fall into sin you don't just fall into sin you have to be close to the edge before you fall into sin if you're if this is the if this is the edge and you're over here you are so far from the edge you're not going to fall into sin because you're smart enough to not go close to the edge but if you're going to say eh, I, i'm not afraid look look i'm uh, i can handle it i got one slip one slip and you're gonna fall so be smart be smart practice what Matthew 4 says how Jesus overcame temptation and don't put yourself in the place of temptation that's how you resist the devil that's how you flee from him. not even going to that area I see this mongoose fighting against cobras the mongoose they got a real nasty Real book, book stuff. You know, real uh, Bruce Lee. 
You know what they do? They're so fast. But the cobra's fast too. I have seen the cobra get one, get a mongoose. I've seen the mongoose get in the back of the cobra. They're so fast. I mean, you gotta slow down the film so much to see how quick they are. But uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't play with that. I wouldn't go in that direction. Not worth it. Here's the last thing for tonight about this. It's, it may not actually fit, but um, I hope you see the gist. It's better to prepare and prevent than to repair and repent. Say that again. It's better to prepare and prevent than to repair and repent. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, it didn't have to happen that way. Oh, but I'm so sorry. Everybody's real sorry after it happens. But it's better to say, whew, I'm glad I didn't go there. Glad I didn't go there. Everybody's sorry afterwards. But why be sorry afterwards? Why not just stay away from the trouble? Stay away from the trouble. Not get involved. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, that's some of the gleanings from Matthew chapter 4, right? Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible. Help us to learn lessons for us today from it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Where with his pants. Don't work. <laughs>